Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Good morning. It's Monday, July 13th, 2020. This is Josh Caldwell, Lifeline's Vice President of International Ministries. And today we're going to continue to look at our study of the book of Ezekiel. We're going to look at chapter 18. This morning we'll continue to study this book and be looking at this chapter, which the theme for today is sin and turning from sin and living. Um, Turn there with me to Ezekiel 18. We're going to start reading in these um, stopping in three sections, verses 1 through 20, 20 through 29, and 30 through 32. So let's start with verse 1 through 20. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sin shall die. If a man is righteous and does what is right and just, if he does not eat upon the mountains or lift his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, does not defile his neighbor's wife or approach a woman in her time of menstrual impurity, does not oppress anyone, but restores to the debtor his pledge, commits no robbery, gives his bread to the hungry, and covers the naked with a garment, does not lend at interest or take any profit, withholds his hand from injustice, executes true justice between man and man. Verse 9, walks in my statues and keeps my rules by acting faithfully. He is righteous and he shall surely live, declares the Lord. Verse 10, if he fathers a son who is violent, a shedder of blood, who does any of these things, though he himself did none of these things, who even eats upon the mountain, defiles his neighbor's wife, oppresses the poor and needy, commits robbery, does not restore the pledge, lifts up his eyes to the idol, commits abomination, lends at interest, and takes profit, shall he live? He shall not live. He has done all these abominations. He shall surely die. His blood shall be upon himself. Verse 14. Now suppose this man fathers a son who sees all the sins that his father has done. He sees, he does not do likewise. He does not eat upon the mountain or lift his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel. Does not defile his neighbor's wife. Does not oppress anyone. Exacts no pledge, commits no robbery, but gives his bread to the hungry and covers with the naked with a garment. Withholds his hand from iniquity, takes no interest or profit, obeys my rules and walks in my statutes. He shall not die for his father's iniquity. He shall surely live. As for his father, because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what is not good among his people, behold, he shall die for his iniquity." Yet you say, why should not the son suffer for iniquity of the father when the son has not, has done what is just and right and has been careful to observe all my statutes? He shall surely live. The soul 
who sins shall die. The son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. Let's think about this. Has, have you ever had a difficult time because of someone else's decisions? And I know this is a minor example, but I can remember times where I played sports and decisions of others impacted me. I was on a high school basketball team, and the entire team at the end of practice would stand around the lane, and someone would shoot a free throw. And we would rotate as someone would make a free throw. The next person would be able to shoot. But every time someone missed a free throw, we would run a sprint to the other end and run back and then come back. And the next person would shoot or the person that missed would shoot again. If someone made the shot, you know, it would be great because everyone would uh, just move forward and we get to shoot and we didn't have to run. But if someone missed, we all had to run the entire team. The more misses we had, the harder it made it. And every time someone else missed or every time I missed, the whole team had to run. And those are challenging situations that someone else's decisions affected me. And I think we can think of more serious situations than that. And I think about the children that we serve at Lifeline and the difficulty um, of others' decisions sometimes leave them abandoned or leave them without a family, or leave them um, even on drugs, or in situations with health that is not right, and is so difficult. But as we look at our scripture today, and we want to just kind of help understand a little more about what this is speaking of, as, as we look at verses 1 through 3, we see the words of the Lord, that they shall no more use the proverb about sin of the generation before them. And obviously this is a more serious uh, situation than I mentioned with the basketball team, but it is about uh, really the the salvation of the people. They would focus on their uh, father's situations instead of their own in the seriousness of sin. So as we look at verse 4, you see, He has behold all of their souls are mine, the souls of the Father as well as the Son. He is giving the picture that each of them had their own souls. The sin that has addressed here has to do with life and death. Um, We look at these verses um, throughout uh, the chapter of Ezekiel 18, and we see that 28 times the Lord ties life and death to sin and repentance. Obviously, a truly important idea that he is wanting us to take very seriously. And through studying Ezekiel 18, um, I found a commentary from Landon Dowden, pastor of Hebron Baptist Church, and I'm going to refer to it several times throughout this um, podcast because it's just a really important look at what we are looking at here in Ezekiel 18. Um, and Landon says this about those uh, 28 times in uh, this text about life and death. He says, despite all of his people had done, God's desire was still for them and us to own our sin and turn from it and to find life in Christ. As much as we want to blame others, no one has ever made us choose sin. The world, the flesh, and the devil may load the gun of temptation, but we pulled the trigger. The first person we should blame for the consequences we often find ourselves in is the last person we hold responsible. Ezekiel 18 is a call to acknowledge our sin and accept God's call to repentance and live. We love to blame shift. We love to shift sin to others. And I think we 
you know, as as believers, <clears throat> we often find ourselves in that position where we're trying to figure out why we're in a certain situation or difficulty that we're in, and we often shift blame <clears throat> to others, just like Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3, 12 through 13. And this is what it says. The man said, the woman who you gave to me to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord turned to the woman and said, what is it that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And we look at verse two about this proverb. The Lord says, what do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. When we ask, when he asked this question, what do you mean? God obviously knew what he meant, but he wanted to see their response. And we also knew that he knew what he meant through Lamentations 5, 7. They said already that our fathers have sinned and are no more. We bear their iniquities. They're already saying they, they believe they bear the iniquity of their father. They had a mindset that their own sin was not a part of where they were, but it was the sin of their fathers. The Lord let them know that you will no longer use this proverb. He says, as I live, declares the Lord, this proverb shall, shall be no more be used by the people of Israel. He makes sure they are aware that he is in charge of their soul and that every person's life is accountable and they are accountable for their own sin. And so he gives three examples here of three people that are connected together, that are like a grandfather, a father, and a grandson. And he gives these three examples. And the first example is verses five through nine, where he talks about a righteous man. And he talks about how he commits no robbery. He walks in his statues and does not lend or take profit. And he withholds his hand from injustice. He says that he shall surely live, declares the Lord. And then the next example is verses 10 through uh, 12 through 13. And it is about someone who is violent, who is a shedder of blood, who lends at interest and takes profit. He said, shall he live? He said, no, he shall surely die. And then the last example is kind of that idea of a grandson who's looking back at his father and seeing what his father has done. And he does not do that. He withholds his hand from iniquity. He takes no interest or profit. He obeys his rules and his statutes and he shall surely live. So God wants to make sure through Ezekiel that we understand and that the Israelites understand that the proverb they were using was not true. And that they should they should have really already known this. And, and Landon refers to this in the commentary that um, Deuteronomy 24, 16 says this, Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. Each one shall be put to death for his own sin. No one here responded with that verse and or quoting that verse, and they could have because they already knew that. We see in Jeremiah 31, 29, and 30, in those days they shall no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die of his own iniquity. Each man who eats sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. And I think another important thing to look at when we're thinking about this is Exodus 34. Exodus 34 is one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. Um, and it's just, it is because I love to, to see the Lord respond 
And it says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And But then it, it kind of shifts, but who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the father on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And so... It, made me think, you know, I, I knew this verse and chapter as we came into this and think about, well, how does that go together? So Landon Dowden points out in Exodus 20, verse 5, something that's really important. It says, you shall not bow to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generation. And he, he has this emphasis here after it says third and fourth generation, it says of those who hate me, which is referring to that the, the third and fourth generation are also are responsible and that they are hating the Lord. They are hating God. So that is why we see that in Exodus 34 and uh, Exodus 20, which is really a helpful emphasis for us to see that each generation is responsible for their own sin. In all these cases, the righteous cases of the father will not be passed on from the sons, and all the iniquities of the sons will not be credited to the father. The only righteousness that can be passed on is that of Jesus Christ, and we know that, and we'll talk some more about that at the end. Another example of this scripture that, that I think about is in Josiah, is, is the story of Josiah, Second Chronicles, 34, 1 through 3. 2 Chronicles 34 says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left for eight year of his reign. While he was yet a baby, he began to seek the God of, of, of the father of David, and in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high, and in the high places of the carved and metal images. Josiah was the son of King Amon and Jedidiah, and the daughter of Adoniah. His father Manasseh was one of the kings blamed for turning away the worship from God. They adopted temple idol worship. And Josiah, even though his father and grandfather were terrible kings, he fought against them. He, he fought for the things of God. He turned toward God and he took responsibility for himself. And I think that is really an important testimony that we see here. So let's look on at the next verses of scripture, which is Ezekiel 18, 21 through 29. But if a wicked person turns away from all his sins that he has committed and keeps all my statutes and does what is just and right, he, ha he shall certainly live. He shall not die. None of the transgressions that he has committed shall be remembered against him for the righteousness that he has done shall live. Have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live? Verse 24, but when a righteous person turns away from the righteousness and does injustice and does the same abominations that the wicked person does, shall he live? None of the righteous deeds that he has done shall be remembered for the treachery of which he is guilty and the sin he has committed for them he shall die. Yet you say the, the way of the Lord is not just. Here now, O Israel, is my way not just? Is it not your ways 
that are not just. When a righteous person turns away from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. For injustice that he has done, he shall die. Again, when a wicked person turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he shall live. Verse 28, because he considered and turned away from all the transgressions that he had committed, he shall surely live and not die. Yet the house of Israel, the way of the Lord is not just. O Israel, are my ways not just? Is it not your ways that are not just? We see some two more examples here. An example of a wicked person who turns from his sin and follows the Lord. And an example of a righteous person who turns away and faces death. And the beauty of this picture is the hope and grace that we see in the first. And we saw Israel um, was not able to see their own sin. And they were seeing the father's sins before them. And today, just like today, there is hope. There's hope in turning from our sin. There's power in Jesus Christ. And if you today are listening to this and you are struggling with sin that has a hold of you, turn to Christ. And we will get to more of that at the end of Ezekiel where we see him say, turn and live. Let's look at this example in the New Testament. And we know this story of Zacchaeus. And uh, Zacchaeus um, was a chief tax collector and was rich. And um, we see this in Luke 19, 1 through 10, that he was seeking to see Jesus um, and account of the crowd, he was a small stature. He ran up, he ran and climbed a tree. Um, we've all heard this story before, um, where Jesus says, "Hurry and come down, for I will stay in your house." So he hurried and he came down, full of joy. When he saw it, he, they all grumbled. All the people were frustrated, and Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone, I will fully restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to the house, since he is the son, also the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save those that were lost. Even after these examples, even after all of this talk, we see that the, the Israelites are saying the way of the Lord is not just. They are saying that, the, that God is not just. And um, we, we need to see that the Lord is just and fair and loving and kind, but he is also punishing of those who have not turned toward him. He is fully just. We see... In these next few verses, verses 30 through 32, Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord. So turn and live. The people of Israel have not understood. They have questioned and blamed others for their sin, and they blame the Lord that he is not fair. The Lord, the God that has been turned against, the one that has been sinned against, the one that has been called unfair and unjust is the same God who in verses 30 through 32 here that we see is telling the people to turn from their sins. He's giving them the example. He's showing them the opportunity. He says he takes no pleasure in death. Turn and live. Turn and live. Powerful words. 
showing the justice and love and showing the compassion of God. And we look back at Exodus 34. Remember I said that one of those chapters in Scripture that I just absolutely love and I go to to refresh my heart about the Lord. It says, God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Did he discipline them? Yes, of course. But he disciplines those he loves, but he gave them the opportunity. Not only the opportunity, but the direction. He told them what to do. He told them how to live. He told them to turn, turn from their transgressions and live. And let's look at verse 30 again, because it is so important. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways. He will judge everyone according to their ways. Repent and turn from your transgressions. Verse 31, we see true repentance in verse 31 has a new heart and a new spirit. And we turn to the end of Ezekiel in chapter 36, which we will study uh, in weeks and weeks to come down the road. But in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 through 27, it says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Ultimately, we see here in Ezekiel 18, we see Jesus, that we are to turn from our ways and turn toward Jesus and live today. Jesus is the only hope for the sin that we see here in Ezekiel 18, and he is the only hope for salvation for those who are about his name. Let us trust in him alone for our way for salvation. I want to read a few, several verses uh, here because I think about this this idea of turn and live, and I immediately think of the people that we are around today, the people that do not know Christ, the people that are all around the world that we are ministering to, that they must turn from their transgressions and turn to who? Turn to Jesus for salvation, and through Christ they can live. Second Chronicles 7, 14 says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. First John 1, 9, 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts three nineteen. repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Second Chronicles 30, verse 9, For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will turn away his face from you if you return to, will not turn his face away from you if you will return to him. Second Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. And think about that in Ezekiel 18. I think Second Peter is a great picture of what the Lord's patience is through Ezekiel 18, that he was patient with us and he was patient with them that they should reach repentance. Matthew four seventeen says this, from that time, Jesus began to preach and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Luke 15, 7 
Just so I tell you that there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than one than over ninety nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Acts two thirty eight, and Peter said to them, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, is in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit." The gospel of Jesus Christ is that the trust that the just and gracious God of the universe looked upon hopelessly sinful people and sent his son, Jesus Christ, in the flesh to bear his wrath against sin on the cross and to show this power over sin and the resurrection so that all who turn and trust in him will be reconciled to God forever. Two last verses, and then we are going to pray. Christ covered our guilt. 1 Peter 2, 24, He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. In Isaiah 53, 5-6, But he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are to turn from our transgressions and turn to Christ and live for him today. As we enter into time of prayer, I want us to think about the sin that may be on our hearts today that we need to turn from. Secondly, I want us to think about the lost. Who are the people around us? Who are the people around us that we, uh, that the Lord may be calling us to share Jesus with? And who are the people around us that we need to be taking uh, account for today and praying for? So I want us to think about those two things as we enter into a time of prayer. I want us to think about the, the sin that we need to turn from and think about the lost that are around us. Put them on our hearts and minds today, Lord, so that we may honor you. Thank you for joining us today in the Defender Podcast. This week, we are going to pray for the country of Ukraine. We are going to also be praying that we turn from those sins that we talked about, and we're going to be praying for the lost around us. So this week, as we pray for the country of Ukraine, we're going to pray for families who are currently in the process of of adoption. We're going to pray for families who seek to desire to adopt children and sibling groups. We're going to be praying for the Ministry of Gender, which is the government in Ukraine, that they would see orphans as a priority in finding them families. We want to pray for our unadopted team. We want to pray for the Paracotis, um, Madison and Yuri, and uh, we want to pray for them as they are partnering with us to see um, families uh, built and to see children cared for that are in need. So will you join me as we pray for the country of Ukraine? We pray that we turn from uh, the sin that may be entangling in our hearts today. And we want to pray for the lost. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the scripture of Ezekiel 18. We thank you for 
the leading of the Spirit. We thank you for Ezekiel. We thank you for the Lord speaking to us through this verse and pointing us to turn from our sin and live. Lord, I pray today for the sin that may be in our hearts today, that you would reveal that to us and help us turn from that sin on a daily basis so that we can live for you and honor you with our entire life. Lord, I pray for the lost there around us that they would turn and live. Lord, put people in our life today that we can um, share Jesus with and help them turn and live. Lord, bring those names of the people to our hearts and minds today for all that are listening to this podcast, that we would uh, help share the name of Jesus with those that don't know you. And Lord, we want to pray for the country of Ukraine. Oh Lord, I pray for our team. I pray for our families. I pray for the government that we would see change for more families, more children to be able to come into families. We pray today that um, for our families that are already in process, Lord, we thank you for them. And thank you. Pray that we would help see them through this process of providing a home to a child in need. We thank you for the pair of Cody's today, Madison and Yuri, and just thank you for their friendship, partnership, Lord, and we pray that you would continue to build their family and grow their family to be more like you. We thank you for all that you've done in their lives, and thank you for their witness and testimony in Ukraine today. We love you, Lord. We thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining the Defender Podcast this week as we talked about Ezekiel 18. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.